Chapter 1 Son of God Let me try, as far as it is possible, to speak of the mystery of our Lord Jesus Christ. If St. Paul himself says that he prays God to inspire him with fitting words to speak of the mystery, then it is clear that we are touching upon a subject that is truly mysterious and yet so real, so important, that ultimately it is the heart of our life, the object of our meditations, the source of our sanctification. By the faith, we believe and confess that He is God and man. Nevertheless, it is still good to reread the scriptures that treat this question so that our minds can be impressed by this truth. First of all, it is our Lord Jesus Christ Himself who affirmed it. Though it is true that our Lord did not reveal immediately that He was the Son of God, it is not correct to say, as the modernists do, that He was unaware He was the true Son of God, consubstantial with the Father and the Holy Ghost, but that by a sort of new awareness of Himself, simply knew of His special quality of Son of God, and this only at the end of His public life. Obviously, all of this is completely false. At the end of His life, our Lord proclaimed His divinity before Caiaphas. The chief priests and elders and all the council tried to find false testimony against Jesus, such as would compass his death. But they could find none, although many came forward falsely accusing him, until at last two false accusers came forward who declared, This man said, I have the power to destroy the temple of God and raise it again in three days. Then the high priest stood up and asked him, Hast thou no answer to make to the accusations these men bring against thee? Jesus was silent. And the high priest said to him openly, I adjure thee by the living God to tell us whether thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus answered, Thy own lips have said it. Moreover, I tell you this, you will see the Son of Man again when he is seated at the right hand of power and comes on the clouds of heaven. And they answered, The penalty is death. Matthew 26, 61, 62, 64, 66 Footnote As early as the 5th century, this same heresy into which the modernists now fall was denounced by St. Fulgentius, 468-533. to He wrote, it is quite impossible and totally foreign to Catholic faith to say that the soul of Christ was not fully conscious of his divinity, with which we believe that it made but one person. Letter 12, chapter 3, number 26. Again, But whereas the divinity knew itself as such because it was naturally such, the soul knew the divinity without itself being divine. Letter 4, chapter 3, number 31. So it is clear, when our Lord publicly proclaimed his divinity, the high priest judged it blasphemy, that this man made himself God, and so deserved death. This text is a solemn affirmation by our Lord that he is truly the Son of God, and that one day he will be seen coming on the clouds of heaven. There is another significant passage, the episode of the Transfiguration. Six days afterwards Jesus took Peter and James and his brother John with him 
and led them up to a high mountain where they were alone, and he was transfigured in their presence. Matthew 17. We should think and believe that the transfiguration should have been our Lord's normal state. What was abnormal was that he was not habitually transfigured, since he possessed the beatific vision. From the instant of his birth, rather, from the moment his soul was created, it enjoyed the beatific vision. Thus, the effects of the beatific vision should have been felt by his body, as for the elect, whose bodies will be transfigured and will have all the properties of resurrected bodies, luminous and shining like the sun. This will be an effect of the beatific vision, of the glory of God in souls. Our Lord should normally have had such a body, yet he wanted to live like other men, and it was by a miracle that he did not habitually have a transfigured body. And he was transfigured in their presence, his face shining like the sun, and his garments becoming white as snow, and all at once they had sight of Moses and Elias conversing with him. Then Peter said aloud to Jesus, Lord, it is well that we should be here. If it pleases thee, let us make three booths in this place, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. Even before he had finished speaking, a shining cloud overshadowed them. And now there was a voice which said to them out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. To him then listen. The disciples, when they heard it, fell on their faces overcome with fear. But Jesus came near and roused them with his touch. Arise, he said, do not be afraid. And they lifted up their eyes and saw no man there but Jesus only. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus warned them, Do not tell anybody of what you have seen until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. Matthew 17, 1-9 Here again is a proof of the divinity of our Lord. It is God himself who affirms it. Our Lord is his Son, quote, In whom I am well pleased. But before that there is another event in the public life of our Lord. So he reached the other shore in the country of the Gerasenes, and here he was met by two possessed creatures who came out of the rock tombs, so exceedingly fierce that none could pass along that road. And at once they cried aloud, Why dost thou meddle with us, Jesus, Son of God? Matthew eight twenty-eight. The devils themselves confess the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. They express their fear, quote, Have you come here to torment us before the appointed time? They pray to Jesus, If you chase us hence, send us into the herd of swine. Jesus grants their prayer. Does this testimony of the devils mean that they believe in his divinity? St. Thomas Aquinas, Summa Theologica, Part 3, Question 44, Article 1, Answers. Christ made himself known to the devils not by his eternal life, but rather by certain temporal effects of his power. At first, seeing Christ hungry after his fast, they concluded that he was not the Son of God. But then, at the spectacle of his miracles, they came by conjecture to believe, but not with certitude, 
that he was the Son of God. If in the end the devil incited the Jews to crucify Christ, it was not because he did not recognize his divinity, but because he did not foresee that by his death Christ would definitively vanquish him. So much for the testimony of the devils. One could, of course, multiply the examples drawn from Scripture. In general, the Gospels constitute the greatest proof of the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ as well as his humanity.